All right. So this is the Wednesday episode of Max Sports, everybody. Yes, we're here one day until draft day. Now I am recording this as soon as Wednesday started because it's almost the, well, it is the middle of the night for me. I have so much fun stuff. Like I have a, a, a super brainstorm. I've been doing this. I created a fun video for the Facebook page. Check it out if you are a fan of Aaron Rodgers or like seeing him fail. Made a funny Facebook post, so please check that out on my page. I thought it was really good. I I got a super creative brainstorm, and then I've just been doing like some creative writing for a bit. So I've been doing that. Need to get on the podcast, though. Got to get something going. Can't, Can't have 82 projects going at once. But it's always a good thing when I feel productive like this. I feel accomplished, so... I'm happy about it. Let's get into today's episode. You know, while I might be lacking some sleep tonight, I it's it's all in good faith. It's not I'm not wasting my my night on something stupid. I'm not just scrolling through social media. The fact that I have stuff that makes me feel accomplished every night is something that makes me happy. So I'm happy that I'm getting this episode pumped out, even though, again, it is the middle of the night. <laughs> that being said, Mel Kuyper Jr., like the face of Draft Insider. Mel Kuyper. If everyone remembers the Frank Caliendo skit of him, but... He has created his final big board, and I'll be going over some of his top picks in the first segment of the day. I'll probably do his eh, top 20-ish, unless there's something very controversial. I'll do his top 25, because those are the ones he really wrote in depth about. Now, some of them I'll talk a lot about. Some of them I'll kind of put a pass on. But to start things off, he has his number one prospect as Jalen Carter. Now, he obviously talks about how he's complicated with all of his off-field issues and the fact that he was overweight during the NFL Combine at, um, or uh, for his pro day. He was normal for the Combine. For his pro day, he was almost 10 pounds heavier and he couldn't finish his drills. He thinks he's the best overall prospect, though. And I do think that this is the case. He's a very, very elite interior uh, defensive lineman. Elite! Um, and if it wasn't for his off-field issues, I think he'd be the first non-quarterback taken off of the board here, and that would not be that would not be an exaggeration at all. I don't think it would be a debate at all either. But due to his off-field issues, yes, he might be the best prospect. But who will be getting the best prospect of the draft? Because it will not probably be the first team drafting. As of the first team drafting, though, it'll probably be Bryce Young. A lot of people think that he is the consensus number one overall pick. I am certainly believing that. I think he's a great, has the potential to be a great signal caller in the NFL. Yes, he is small. Yes, he is, you know, the size of an average, like, sophomore in high school. But he he has the potential to be a very elite quarterback in this league. I love his ability to, you know, escape the pocket, throw on the run. And, again, this is the one thing that I believe about Bryce Young. Yes, he is short. He's been able to be durable. I I understand that. The thing with Bryce Young compared to other people like Russell Wilson struggled with it this year. I also look at Kyler Murray. He is small, but he had proven in college that he could throw over the offensive line. Sounds stupid, but Kyler doesn't do that. Even Baker Mayfield doesn't like doing that. He rolled out to the right so many times it drove me nuts. 
I think Bryce Young can do that, and I think that he has the potential to be the best quarterback of this draft. Mel Kuyper has Will Anderson Jr. as the third best prospect. Very safe, similar thing. Mel Kuyper says a lot of things that I agree with here. Pretty much just talking about how he would have been the number one overall pick if eligible last year due to his historic for you know first season really starting and, and making a big impact for the Alabama Crimson Tide with his almost 18 sacks. He He's a guy that can play in the run. He'd be a, a specialist pass rusher. Very elite player and a very elite prospect. I think in the eyes of a lot of people, the safest defensive prospect. In most people's eyes, he's a solid double in baseball. He's not a home run. His floor is a solid double. I think that is still worth a top five pick in this draft, though, where there's a lot of dangerous prospects like a Jalen Carter if people don't believe in him when it comes to his off-field issues. His second quarterback in his rankings at four years, Will Levis. I don't know what happened, but apparently Will Levis is flying up draft boards. He's now the second favorite when it comes to a lot of draft odds to be the second overall pick. What? What happened to Stroud? Why is he falling? Now, maybe the projections are wrong. People don't necessarily think that he's going to be where he is. But I thought for the longest time, from what I've been hearing, not just from personalities, but across the league, sources, insiders, that it was kind of Stroud and Bryce Young as one and two. Then it was Levis. For a while, it was Anthony Richardson. Then it was Levis. So it's kind of crazy to see him just flying up again. His comparison for him, and I've heard him say it multiple times, is a Matthew Stafford type player. For me, I think he's a little more mobile than Matthew Stafford, and I think Stafford has a little bit more arm talent. I think I look at him as like a Carson Wentz. He can wow you with his arm. He can run with the ball. I think his his ceiling could be what Carson Wentz was uh, the year he almost led the Eagles to the Super Bowl before getting hurt. I think that is his ceiling. Now, his floor could be a lot worse when it comes to his decision-making. Going to the next quarterback, C.J. Stroud. He has Stroud as five on his big board. Again, there's a lot of quarterbacks up here in this top ten of the big board. Will they all be going in the top ten, though? I don't necessarily believe it. He thinks Stroud is a very, very good prospect. He's very safe with a lot of things. His yards per attempt was good. His QBR was good. His yards per dropback were good. Very good. He says he has a, I guess that's the best way to describe CJ Stroud. Good, not great. Yeah, he can put the ball all over the field. He doesn't have an elite arm. So I think whoever gets Will Levis will probably be enticed with the wow factor of his arm as opposed to CJ Stroud where he can make all the throws, but he's not going to blow you away with a, a crazy throw. Moving to the next one, Bijan Robinson. He has it six amongst all of these top prospects. But John Robinson, I think, is a great asset to any team that he'll be going to. The only thing that worries me about running backs, same thing with Mel Kuyper, is that you don't draft him in the first round due to injury. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks, there's a lot of running backs that end up, you know, blowing out their leg and never are the same player again, just even a few seasons into the league. When you could get at six, Someone like Tyree Wilson or a franchise quarterback or a corner that can lock down on your defense for six, seven years. Getting a running back that maybe has a four or five year shelf life is not something that you necessarily take at six overall. I love, I love Bajan Robinson's potential, but again, 
I don't see him going this high in the draft. Seventh on his big board is Anthony Richardson. Again, I think the biggest project out of all of the quarterbacks. He could be an NFL MVP, or he could be that guy that everyone goes, wow, they drafted Anthony Richardson. Remember that? And that is the best way to describe it. He's either going to be elite or he will be very bad. And honestly, I don't see him having a, a, a balanced level in the NFL where he's like kind of good, kind of bad. I either think he's going to be a star or people aren't going to have the patience for him and he'll blow out like Malik Willis. Now, I like Richardson a lot more than Malik Willis last year. I think he has a better arm. I think he's younger. He's a better athlete. He's got a, a, the only thing that worries me. It's just the accuracy, being able to make the small throws, the easy throws. He didn't always necessarily do that well at Florida. And I'll be honest, you can ask, you can ask some Florida fans if they believe that, because I know it's true. He wasn't beautiful. You know, he had some good games, but he also had some pretty big stinkers. All right, eight and nine are both the corners. Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez. I think a lot of people have them as the corner one and corner two. I think after them, it's Joey Porter Jr. in the solid third place. And then there's Deontay Banks maybe, but then everyone else is just kind of a solid, okay corner prospect. These are the two guys you're really going to want if you need a corner. I like both of these guys. I think Witherspoon is a better all-around corner, mainly due to the fact that he's a little more physical and he plays well in the run game, whereas Christian Gonzalez, I think, is the better cover corner. I like both of these prospects, though, and I think they'll be able to make an impact on their first season, pretty much, probably. I think they both will be able to be win-now pieces for whatever team gets them. I like the Raiders getting one of these two corners. Next comes some offensive tackles. Peter Skaronsky, he has at 10, while Paris Johnson, he has at 11. I'll talk about Paris Johnson real quick, too. Um, to start things off with Skaronsky, though, he's left tackle. Kuiper likes him a lot. Some people have seen Skaronsky falling down draft boards and Paris Johnson flying up them. I think he's. I think either one is a solid pick. Honestly, it's whatever you prefer. Do you prefer the guy that's a little smaller, who's a little shiftier maybe in Skaronsky, or do you like the big body dude that can you know block for several seconds in Paris Johnson? I like both of these guys. I'm not a fence rider. I'm just saying it. The first round graded tackles. Pick and choose whatever one you like more. When it comes to Paris Johnson, however, we'll talk about the Cardinals real quick. Because apparently Kyler Murray says he really likes Paris Johnson. I don't know why, because Kyler Murray wouldn't be able to see over him. Paris Johnson is like seven feet tall. I'm sorry, last I checked, they don't give you a booster seat or a stool when you're back there in the pocket, do they, Kyler? So I don't know if he would be a if he'd be almost too big. Honestly, I'd I think Skronsky would probably be a better fit for Kyler. I'm not trying to be mean calling him short. I'm not a I'm not Shaquille O'Neal by any means. I'm I'm an average sized human being, I think. I'm around six feet tall, but I don't know. I I feel like you'd want to get a smaller guy if he's if you have a small corner or quarterback that can't see over the line. What do I know, though? I'm not I'm not Kyler Murray. I'm not Call of Duty Kyler. So, some more interesting prospects. One that I think is a little high, I will get to him next. And it'll be the first receiver that I think is a little overrated here. But to start things off, we have an edge rusher slash linebacker in Nolan Smith. I think he's the very close... I think he's very close to a Will Anderson in a similar play type. He's that speedy edge rusher. He's a little smaller than Anderson, but a very similar thing where it's that speedy, off-the-edge kind of rusher. 
I think he's more of a pass rushing specialist while Will Anderson can play better in the run game. I like Nolan Smith's potential a lot, though. And if you miss out on the Will Anderson sweepstakes, this isn't a bad consolation prize. The first receiver is Zay Flowers. Huh. Really. He's very elusive, very quick. The The thing for me is I just think he's a little small. I, I know he's shifty. I know he's quick. I kind of just like some of the other receivers like Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I kind of like that TCU receiver, um, Quentin Johnston, a little more. I know he's also fallen off a cliff, by the way. He's not even in Mel Kuyper's draft board, by the way. That's that's crazy to me. For a while, I'd seen him in as high as top 10. I'm not seeing him at all. But Zay Flowers here, that's who Mel Kuyper likes. I like Smith and Jigba the most. Then probably Quentin Johnston. Then probably Jordan Addison. Then Zay Flowers. So maybe I'm wrong with this one. We'll see what happens on draft night. Speaking of 14, that is Smith and Jigba. By the way, I had talked to him about before. Honestly, if it wasn't for his injury issues, I think that Smith and Jigba probably would have been the fifth overall pick this year. We have another tackle, Broderick Jones from Georgia. Again, when it comes to it, you can look at their measurables. You can look at their athleticism, whatever the case is. If you like a tackle, just get one for your team to protect your quarterback. There's not much more I can say about it as a guy behind a microphone. Tyree Wilson, he has at 16. He likes he likes Tyree Wilson a lot. He, he didn't have a ton of sacks for what he would like, but he's a very explosive pass rusher. He's very good at taking on double teams. I like him a lot. Honestly, I like him more than where Mel likes him. I think I like him more than Nolan Smith and some of these receivers. I think he'll be drafted higher, too, because the demand for an edge rusher is usually a little higher than the demand for a receiver, unless it's, a again, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson type of player. Next, he has Emmanuel Forbes, a corner out of Mississippi State, 17th craziness a guy that sometimes has been viewed as a second round pick when it comes to availability now jumping joey porter jr who's been kind of viewed as that third quarterback available forbes is a very good guy a lot of people view him as a boomer bust prospect he can make some great plays but he also can get burned at some really bad times i think he has a potential i didn't see a lot of him because i didn't watch a lot of mississippi state football I like the boomer bust potential, though, because honestly, after Gonzalez and Witherspoon, I don't love Joey Porter Jr., and I don't love Deontay Banks. So if you think this guy has a higher ceiling, it's not a bad idea to maybe scoop him up if he is available. The next running back, Jameer Gibbs. I love what Jameer Gibbs is. I think a comparison for him could be what DeAndre Swift was at Georgia, you know, that shifty receiving back. I think he's a better receiver than Swift. I think he's even maybe shiftier. He's a very dangerous running back. He can break tackles all over the place. I love Jameer Gibbs as a player. I don't know who's going to get him. I don't know if he's going to have a first-round grade. I know uh, Mel Kuyper here has him 18th on his big board. I don't know if he goes first round. If he does, he'd probably be going late. So I'm thinking like the Eagles, maybe the Bills. But I love his potential. And if he's around in the second round, I wouldn't be shocked if a team slides up a couple picks to try and snatch him off the board. He has his first tight end. Mel here has Dalton Kincaid. 
and 19. This is interesting because a lot of people the entire season were saying Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame or Darnell Washington or whatever the case is. There were a lot of tight ends. I heard another one was Luke Musgrave for a while out of Oregon State. But Mel's got Dalton Kincaid here. I think he's a very solid receiving tight end. He can be a blocker. It's the it's what you want from that average all-around tight end. He's not just a, a receiver. Like I think Travis Kelsey's viewed more as a receiving tight end, like a Kyle Pitts. Whereas this guy, I'm not saying he's George Kittle, but he's kind of an all-around tight end. You can put him on the line. You can put him out there. I don't think he's as dynamic as what Michael Mayer could be, but a lot of people are really liking Dalton Kincaid, so I understand the, the grade here on the big board. Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland. I've thrown his name around a couple times beforehand. I think he's a very solid corner. I think he's probably one of the last corners that'll have a first-round grade along Joey Porter Jr., which is here at 22, so we'll be skipping that. But I think he's the last real first-round graded corner in a lot of people's eyes. You can consider Brian Branch, but I view him more as a safety. So moving on to another receiver at 21, Jordan Addison. Again, I like Jordan Addison a lot. I think he's a dynamic player. A lot of people rip on his speed during the combine. Again, it was the Underwear Olympics. Watch his tape. Watch him play. He was the best receiver on that field every single time he stepped on it, whether he was with Pitt winning the Bolitnikoff, whether he's on U at USC with Caleb Williams. He looked very good. So like I said, 22 is Joey Porter Jr., very lanky and physical defender. Mel likes him a lot, being able to reroute to see receivers with long arms. He likes his physicals as well. He played a lot in the Big Ten, had a lot of starts. So he likes him a lot. He likes Joey Porter Jr. Our last few picks. I'll give you a hint. There's no quarterback here. Will McDonald IV. I've talked about him a lot. I had him in my last mock draft going to the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe. If you don't believe me, go check that out. He liked him a lot due to his senior bowl performance. I, again, I think in later rounds, Will McDonald, or later first round, he'll be scooped up and be a solid edge rusher, linebacker kind of guy for a contending playoff team. And he'll even if he doesn't start, he could develop into a very solid starter immediately. Another one, another tackle here, Darnell Wright. Again, very big freakazoid kind of build with this dude, 6'5". 330 pounds. He locked up Will Anderson Jr., and that's what Mel talk uh, Mel talks about here. I watched the entire Tennessee-Alabama game, and very rarely did Hendon Hooker have a ton of pressure coming his way. Darnell Wright had Will Anderson in a box, and he couldn't escape him. So I do like his potential as a tackle. And again, pick whatever tackle you want. If you like one more than the other, you like the traits, you like the speed, you like the smaller frames so they're quicker, doesn't matter to me. Pick the guy you want, fill the role, block. they can block your, your quarterback. That's all you really need. And then finally, he's got Miles Murphy. He has the quick burst in the stance. I view him this way as more of a, pros, a, a prospect that hadn't produced much but has the possibility to he didn't have elite numbers but he has the chance to to be a big star when it comes to landing at the nfl i always worry about these kind of players because they haven't proven much in college you have to find that balance sometimes there's people that are like oh he didn't do anything in college and then there's some people that are aren't upset where it's like yeah it's because he went to the pros because he was a physical freak and was ready to play nfl football 
Bottom line is, I think Murphy in 25 through 30 could be a very safe pick for a team that's looking for a high potential player. So, that was Mel's top 25 there. What do you think about the picks? I will say, I'll do it. Let's see. This is the Wednesday episode, but I'm recording the Thursday episode Wednesday night. So, what I will do is I will make my final draft predictions Tonight, because I'm obviously recording it on Wednesday. So this is the Wednesday episode. I will record the Thursday episode Wednesday night. Doing my final mock draft because there was a trade. I'll need to update it. And then I will do a bonus episode after the first round ends. Doing, you know, overreactions. What just happened? What big trades took place? What was the surprise pick of the draft? So here's your little calendar again. You got our episode right now. This is our Wednesday episode. I'll be recording one Wednesday night. That'll be the Thursday episode. That's my final mock draft. Then we'll have our bonus episode Thursday after the draft. With that being said, let's get into our next segment. All right. Part two today. We've already done the big board talk. We know the mock draft is coming tomorrow. With nothing real else out there, let's just life talk. So... Why do I do sports talk? I I love being creative. The feeling of creating something, whether it's entertainment purposes, podcasting, um, just a funny video, it, it fuels me. I feel like I get an adrenaline rush from it. And being able to create these episodes for, for anybody to listen to is a dream come true. I said it in a previous episode, I think it was my 50 episode special or whatever, but like, if little me could look at me doing this now, he'd be so happy. He'd, he'd be bouncing all over the place, unable to focus on anything because he'd just be so excited. Like, whoa, you can talk about sports? Like, football teams? Like, you're on ESPN? And I'd say, well, no, not ESPN because they have a gazillion people watching them. But I do have something that I'm very proud of that I love doing. And whether it was growing up, watching, like, Sports Center top tens or watching Mike and Mike in the morning. I, almost all of my mornings as a kid in middle school and high school were growing up eating like toast that my dad made for me and then kind of being half awake and listening to sports early in the morning with Mike and Mike. And that kind of stuff just got me hooked into sports, the way that they bantered with each other or, you know, the chemistry they had. It made me want to be like them almost when it came to like sports talk. It made me want to be like them, hearing insiders, hearing personalities. I always used to come home on like a half day of school or maybe staying home in the summer, and I would watch Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless do debates over the dumbest things you've ever heard of. Never will forget the day that Skip Bayless said that Johnny Manziel would be a bigger star in Cleveland than LeBron James. <laughs> but I... There's just so many people around it, whether it's YouTube creators. That's what I've turned to in recent years. I've always loved YouTube. I've always loved podcasting, especially as that's grown out of nowhere. Podcasting wasn't the first idea that I had thought of, but it's become more accessible for everyone. It feels like that's like what every influencer has. You're not an influencer unless you also have a podcast sharing your opinions on things. But I love so many content creators on YouTube. That's where I honestly come to get a lot of my sports news. 
you can say what you want about him, but Pat McAfee has just been able to build an amazing brand of his on YouTube doing live streaming, and that's filtered down to other creators. I know he's a Packers fan, but I watch a lot of Tom Grassi, for those who don't know. He's a Packers podcaster. He does YouTube, all sorts of fun stuff. Just watching his kind of draft talk, just hearing him talk about his passion for the Packers makes me excited to share my passion as a Lions fan. There's so many different influencers, content creators. Another one I'll share about, um, which is kind of making me think about doing the segment, smaller than Grassi, but another YouTuber, which is uh, Zach Schaumler. If you don't know him, look him up if you like football talk. Um, he does Strong Opinion Sports. It's a podcast. It's a show. It's been a while since I've followed it, but I used to watch every single episode of it. He's just an interesting person to hear talk. Something that I would love to be. I'd, I'd just love to be in a room and just talk sports with him or just talk life with him. He's a guy that has an interesting story, was a former quarterback. Now he does film analysis. He just the quality he puts into his content is more than just a talking head on a, on a cable station. And again, just hearing the quality that he put into his content and the effort that he put into it and the story behind him. He's just someone you want to meet, you know? So, and it makes me want to be able to put life thoughts where I'm at, you know, not everyone needs to know what kind of waffles I eat in the morning or what kind of shoes I wear, but just kind of sometimes opening up your more humane side when it comes to entertainment can be more interesting than just reading the news. And I don't want to make it sound like you need to be my therapist and I need to rant to you guys, but if you're just coming at me for whatever the newest, you know, news of the day is, you want to know something about that? If you only came to me for news, I'd be dead already when it came to an entertainment. Because Twitter is faster than me. That, you know, ESPN's faster than me. I have another job. I have school. I'd be beaten out in, in no time. I would never be able to keep up with these other companies and these other creators. So I have to be personal with you guys. I want to be better content. I want to be unique niche content for you guys. So... Whatever the case is, I love doing podcasts like this. I've been trying to come up with some more fun posts. I made a couple memes, made some fun, entertaining videos on Facebook for you guys to check out. I had one that's already doing pretty good, viral for me at least when it comes to uh, viewership. I always love seeing this kind of stuff and, and sharing my creativity with the world. Like I said in my intro, I'm doing creative writing. Just because I felt like it. I was sick a couple weeks ago and missed a day of work. And I just thought, you know what? You've heard my maxed movies. I've done a couple of those. Just as fun little side projects. I just wanted to write a story for fun. I created like four characters, a plot. I, you know, I'm using AI intelligence to help me write the story and brainstorm ideas. It's something that's so fun where, again... My brain isn't shutting off, and it's one in the morning. I'm just excited to create. So again, that fuel, that fire doesn't start unless I have, you know, a fire doesn't start on its own just from one match. You need to have kindling. You need to have lighting. You have to, but the bottom line, I'm saying it. If I'm a campfire, 
Your support is like pouring gasoline on that thing. It just makes me want to create more things, put more quality into it, put more effort into it. I can't wait to see where this goes. We're almost 100 episodes in. We're probably going to be at 100 by the next season. And who knows what's going to happen by then. I've been looking at dipping into YouTube, expanding out to more platforms. We could, The possibilities are unlimited, unlimited. Truly. But at the end of the day, I just hope for anyone that's listening out there, I hope that you have something in your day that makes you as excited to wake up as this is for me. Because, and it doesn't have to be a job. It could just be seeing your kids. It could just be going to work. It could be being on a golf league. I don't care what it is. But I know for me, I had nights where I had nothing going on. And I'm not saying it's bad. You know, I'd watch some movies. I'd watch TV or play some video games mindlessly. And yeah, it would be fun for the short term. But it'd be going to bed at night have this feeling that I just don't have any future going on. I don't have something that makes me excited. And having this is something that I'm excited. It surrounds me with people that make me excited to want to get up in the morning. What can I do? You know, on my lunch break, I'm making mock drafts so I can make these episodes for you guys. And it just makes me excited. So, like I said before, whatever you're doing in life, I hope that there is something for any listener out there. I hope there is something that gets you as excited as I get creating this kind of stuff. And I hope you know the feeling that you listening, supporting, being there for me when it comes to my passion means for me. And I hope you realize the impact it's making on me, making me happy, doing the thing I love most. So that's our little epilogue for the day. I think that's the right term. Again, I love throwing out big words, but not knowing the meaning. That's kind of like my, my little, that's my little niche right there. But <laughs> I I just wanted to share that with you guys. I felt like being, just kind of having a little fun chit-chat time would be the perfect thing to do as we head into the draft and a huge chapter will be unfolding soon. So have a great rest of your Wednesday. Get excited for my final mock draft coming out Wednesday night, Thursday, early morning, and then it's draft time. Who would you like to see your team pick? I can't wait to see my Lions draft. I am excited. So take care, and I'll be seeing you.